following is a sermon that was preached at Good News Lutheran Church in Mount Horb, Wisconsin. It was preached on Sunday, June 23, 2022, on the basis of John 2, verses 1 through 11. For more information or to view our entire sermon library, visit goodnewslc.org. Thank you for listening. A cup of sugar. It's time to bake. You gather all the ingredients that you need. You pull out the eggs, the flour, the butter, and you suddenly realize that you don't have enough sugar. What do you do? It seems pretty simple. You get in your car and you drive to the store to get what you need. But I've been told that in an older, in a simpler time, if you were missing anything in your pantry, you would simply go next door to the neighbors for whatever you needed, a cup of sugar, a stick of butter, whatever you might need. Nowadays, the thought of that might sound a little strange to us, and it makes sense. Nowadays, our neighbors are more strangers than they are friends. They're the people that we wave to when we both happen to be outside at the same time. They're the people that we get to know through our children if we really get to know them at all. You can forget about the cup of sugar or butter, the only time we'd really go to them for anything is as a last resort, an emergency. At times, that's the way that we as Christians view our God. We picture him as the big man upstairs, this impersonal, boss-like figure who has lots and lots of important things to do. And just like our neighbors, we don't want to bother him, we don't want to annoy him, we don't want to inconvenience him. So we only really turn to him when our problems are too big for us to handle as a last resort. But today, Jesus shows us that he's more than a boss or a neighbor. He's more than a last resort. He's the very person who loves us most. And he wants to do far more than fix your problems. He wants to fill your life with joy and delight. Our story begins in the small town of Cana at a wedding. Jesus and his disciples and his mother Mary had all been invited as guests. Like our modern American weddings, these were times of great celebration, a time to gather together family and friends to have great food and drink. But unlike our American weddings, these celebrations would last more than just a few hours. They would stretch over a period of days. But disaster strikes. Whether it was poor planning and oversight, a missed delivery, the wine has run out. There's nothing, there's no wine for the guests to drink. And you can see the disaster that awaits. The bride and the groom will face great embarrassment. And on this day, the happiest day of their life, it's about to be cut short. Mary sees what's about to happen, and so she goes to her son Jesus and, he, and she says, they have no more wine. She knows what her son can do. She knows that he can fix the problem. But Jesus' answer sounds a little cold, a little distant. He says, what does this have to do with me? My hour is not yet here. With these words, Jesus was reminding his mother of his greater purpose. He had come to save, and to save us, to die for us, and providing wine for a wedding didn't seem to have much in common with that purpose. But even though this didn't really concern him, he doesn't 
walk away from his mother, he doesn't say no. And when Mary sees that, she tells the servants who are standing nearby, do whatever he tells you to do. For many of us, this is a familiar story. We know what happens next. But when you zoom out and you see the big picture, it's really a bit of a ridiculous story. Here is the God of the universe, the Savior of the world, and what has he been asked to do? To save a wedding, to make more wine for a wedding? It seems strange, almost wrong to us. Because when we picture Jesus, we usually picture him among the poor and the needy. We picture him performing miracles, healing the sick, giving sight to the blind, driving out demons, providing food for hungry crowds. We picture him living a hard life and teaching hard spiritual truths. And yet here we find him in a strange place. We find him at one of the happiest occasions in life. We find him at a wedding. And it seems strange to us because we often picture our God as a problem solver. He takes care of the big things. He takes care of the things that we can't do ourselves. He's taken care of our eternal salvation, and now we take care of the rest. We take care of the little things. We see him as this superhero, the person that we turn to when our problems are too big. We picture him as the emergency button that we push when we run into life's trouble, when someone is sick, when we're in immediate danger, when someone we love is suffering. But when we take our God and we make him out to be a problem solver, when we stick him into the box as that emergency button, we forget who our God really is. Because our God is more than a neighbor or a boss. He's the very person who loves you most. He compares his relationship to you as a loving husband to a wife, a loving spouse you are always on his mind. He's always thinking about you. He's always focused on you. And he's always there for you. Not just for the big moments, the significant life-changing events, but also for every small moment along the way. He's your God. He intimately and deeply loves you. And it's a tragedy that we deny his love. When we see him just as a problem solver, we rob God of his chance to show us his love. It's like saying to your spouse, to the person who loves you most, it's great that you love me, it's great that you care about me, it's great that you want to be there for me, but I'll let you know when I need you. I'll let you know when I need your help. Until then, you take care of your things and I'll take care of mine. We take the God who is overflowing with love, abounding in grace and mercy and goodness, and we bottle him up. We stick him on the top shelf and we save him for a big moment, for a big occasion. But if our God was really about the big moments, the big occasions, then we wouldn't find him here at a local wedding. And if all he really cared about was fixing our big problems, then he wouldn't do what he does next. Jesus turns to the servants and tells them to fill six jars with water. These jars were made out of stone. They could hold 20 to 30 gallons, so filled to the brim between the six of them, they could hold about 120 gallons of water. Once they had fill finished filling the jars, Jesus sent the servants to bring the jars to the master 
of the banquet, the one in charge of the celebrations. The master of the banquet dipped his cup into the jar and he tasted the wine and instantly his eyes lit up. He calls the groom over to his table and he says, everyone serves the best wine first and then they save the cheap stuff for later, but you have saved the best for last. It's an incredible miracle. Jesus turns water into wine. The wedding goes from not having enough wine to suddenly overflowing with six jars, 120 gallons, the equivalent of over 600 bottles of wine. It's an incredible miracle of both quantity and quality. This is the best wine at the wedding. And with this incredible miracle, God shows us who he is. Yes, he is the Son of God. Yes, he is our Savior. Yes, he is almighty and powerful, but it's more than that. He's abounding with goodness and love for his people, for you and for me. Because Jesus could have easily done the minimum. He could have easily just provided just enough wine for the wedding. He could have provided just enough to save them from, embar- from embarrassment so they could go and get some more. He didn't have to make it the best wine either. It could have been average or subpar. That's what the people were used to. That's what they expected, the minimum. And that's what we expect in life, too. That's what we expect to get from the world, the minimum. That's how things work. People do just enough to keep their jobs. They do just enough to make their bosses happy. Kids do just well enough on their homework to please their parents, to please their teachers. The only time when people give more than the minimum, when they give the maximum, is when it comes to things and people that they love when we find a hobby or a job that we're passionate about, it's hard to find enough time. When we fall in love, we can't stop thinking about our significant other. When we become parents or grandparents, we pour in our time, our attention, everything into our children and grandchildren. To those things that we love the most, we give our everything. And that's what you are to God. You are the thing that he treasures most. You are the people who are always on his mind. You are the ones for whom he gave everything, his very own life, to make his own. And if God, if Jesus was willing to give up everything, if he was willing to suffer a lonely life on this earth, if he was willing to endure the torture of a death on a cross for you, if he was willing to take care of the big things, then why wouldn't he also take care of the small things? For you. And as we look at our own lives, we see that God has given us more than just the small things. He's given us family and friends, property and home, things to fill our heart with joy and gladness. He's filled our scrapbooks and our photo albums with unforgettable memories of delight. And these beautiful things that He gives us, even though they will pass away someday, they serve as a sign. They point to his goodness, to his love, but most of all, it points to the fact that the best is yet to come. Because God tells us that a day is coming when the troubles of this world will come to an end. The problems of this world will pass away. There will be no more suffering, no more pain, no more crying, no more death. But it'll be more than that. 
He promises that he will multiply our joys and delights here on earth. He promises that the day is coming when we will see beautiful and magnificent things far greater than anything this world can offer us. And our stories will come to an end at the same place where Christ began, at a wedding. That's what God compares the joys of heaven to. He compares them to a wedding feast, a place of unbelievable joy and delight where we are surrounded by the people that we love in the presence of the person who loves us most. And unlike our earthly weddings, there is no last call, there is no last dance, there is no closing time, no sad goodbyes at the end of the night. It's a place where the wine keeps on flowing, the food keeps on coming, the dance never ends, a moment of bliss that lasts forever. That's what our God has promised is waiting for you. He's saving the best for last. Amen.